Blog Talk Radio. Time now for the Gridiron Stud Show. Well, you can be all American. Actually, now, actually, I can do it now. You can do it now. Yeah, I can do it. But I'm trying to focus on my position. With your host, Chad Wilson. It ain't hating on me, Chad. You know I got to be something in the mix. Bringing you high school, college, and NFL talk. I don't rap a discipline. Minasa. You all need more discipline. True discipline. Come on, get a grip. Call us on the show today. Don't get out of my face with that crazy that's, stuff. That's, the number to call, 347-633-9365. Y'all got to take y'all know that. Or you can reach us on Twitter, at Gridiron Studs. And now, your host, Chad I guess that's my cue, and I'm here. It's Chad Wilson. It's the Gridiron Stud Show. It's Thursday. Wow, I don't know. That seemed kind of fast. It was just Monday just a minute ago, but here we are. It's Thursday, and we're heading headlong into another football weekend. It is going to be the fourth weekend of college football. Uh, That also happened quickly. It seemed like just yesterday we were yearning for that first game to be kicked off, and here we are already into week four of the college football season. We're heading into week three of the NFL season, and we are about six weeks into the high school football season. And uh, things are starting to shape up a little bit in high school football, starting to hit into district play. Uh, and we'll talk uh, you know, some more about high school football tomorrow for sure. Uh, college football and NFL football takes the stage for us here on the Gridiron Stud Show today. I'm going to have... Uh, Nick Delatore on from Gator Country later on uh, at the bottom of the hour. Uh, plenty to talk about when it comes to the Gators, suspensions, the Big Tennessee game, and what to expect, and a whole lot going on there, so there'll be no shortage of uh, topics when we talk with Nick from uh, GatorCountry.com. Also going to have Bud Elliott on to uh, talk Florida State Seminoles football. Two ho-hum performances back-to-back for Florida State uh you know what 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 do we make of the 2015 version of the Florida State Seminoles and uh that and several other things we'll talk about with Bud Elliott uh from tomahawknation.com that's coming up at the top of the next hour but uh in between that we'll talk some college and NFL football we've got football tonight the Washington Redskins taking on the New York Giants uh, Redskins a bit of a surprise through two games. The Giants are also a bit of a su- surprise, but 
in the uh, wrong direction. So we'll talk a little bit about that game. Uh, and we do have a little bit of college football. I've been, you know, a little bit disappointed, I must say, with the uh, college football matchups that they've had on Thursday night thus far. I don't know if it's that uh, ESPN and college football doesn't really want to compete with the uh, with the uh, NFL, who's decided that they're going to have Thursday night games throughout the entire season, uh, something I don't really care about, care for. Uh, I liked it when they saved those things for the end of the season. Let's let's get the college football on Thursday night. Let's get the marquee matchups. Uh, what we're getting tonight is Cincinnati versus Memphis, and you know that's not that's not something you get lathered up for. You know, no offense to those schools, but um, you know if Cincinnati's playing, um, you know one of your power fives, or if Memphis is taking on one of your power five schools, it's a better matchup. But Cincinnati versus M- Memphis doesn't you know really. Um, get your blood flowing. Nevertheless, those two schools are uh, your game tonight on ESPN at 7.30. The uh, NFL game is the Washington Redskins versus the Giants. So, you know, I'd love to see uh, college football kind of up the ante a little bit with uh, with the, the matchups that they have uh, for us on Thursday night. Would like to see a little something better there because, you know, some people prefer college football over NFL football, and if that's the case, you want to see, uh, you know, some pretty good matchups there. And we may, in fact, get a pretty good game with Cincinnati and Memphis. Memphis is uh, no joke this year, coming out the gate 3-0 and um, and putting some people to sleep, putting some points up on the board. Memphis has scored uh, 44 points or better in all three of their games, opened up the season with a 63-7 win over Missouri State, then they travel to Kansas, which, you know, Kansas has been a dumpster fire for the for the last few years here. Ever since firing uh, Mark Mangino, um, I mean, Kansas has not been the same. So say what you want about that guy. He had Kansas football rolling in the right direction in terms of the in terms of the wins and losses. And ever since they fired the big guy, things have uh, stunk there. But nevertheless, Memphis went to Kansas and uh, hung a 55-23 beating on them. And then off of that, they went out to Bowling Green, who's no slap in the MAC conference, and won that game 44-41. So they are taking on a Cincinnati team who's 2-1, and one, beat up on Alabama A&M in their opener 52-10, to 10, and then took a loss to Temple, who's an improved team this year. Uh, Cincinnati did battle back, though, and won at Miami of Ohio last week in the shootout 37-33. So that's your... ESPN Thursday night matchup, and like I said, it doesn't blow you away, but if you're a real football junkie, you'll watch that one and probably watch a ton of offense. If you're in offense, you watch that game tonight, Cincinnati, uh, take it on Memphis. You, you, you're bound to get some kind of offense. So hopefully I'm uh, not wrong about that because, you know, sometimes when you do expect that big-time offensive matchup, you end up with a 13-10 game. And that would be uh, that would be a crime for ESPN. All right, we had a scary moment down at the University of Miami yesterday, uh, and there were some loose reports early on. And it's funny how there's such a rush now to get information out that people will just start widely reporting rumors. I mean, the first thing you heard was that there was a head-on collision and that it was uh, two ve- a vehicle involving a University of Miami player. So, you know, that that was the first story that was out. And then you heard it was a head-on collision with two players on the field. 
on someone had to be airlifted to to Jackson Memorial Hospital at the end of the day. Uh, the true story is that linebacker Marcus Gayot uh, from the University of Miami was involved in some type of a collision in practice, um, and uh, for precautionary reasons, he was taken to Jackson Memorial Hospital. Um, I don't know how precautionary it is if he was airlifted. Uh, sounds serious to me. Nevertheless, he's gone through a battery of tests, and he's expected to be released today and make a full recovery. So uh, that is certainly good news. Uh, as a parent of a of a young man that's playing college football, hearing uh, something like that, um, you know, touches home because it's always scary when you when you hear something like that, especially when you the early reports uh, don't give you much information, so you kind of kind of go into a panic. So I know all of the parents um, of of players on the team certainly had to feel a little anxious once that story came out and it's kind of like when you hear of a uh, about a school shooting all of the parents uh of the kids at that school either call or you know make their way over to the school to try and find out exactly what's going on so uh some nervous intense moments there but happy to report that uh Gayot's going to make a full recovery and will be released today so thank goodness for that uh, like I said, a full slate of college football games coming up this weekend. Um, time for some people to get back on the horse that were knocked off. One of those is going to be uh, Auburn, who uh, announced the change at the most uh, pointed and looked at position on their football team and on any football team, and that's the quarterback position. Fort Lauderdale, Florida, its very own Sean White. A university school graduate and uh, someone I had the pleasure of being on the coaching staff on when he was there at university school. Also faced Sean White uh, on the other side of it. He was a coach at university school when he was a player at Chaminade. And this dates all the way back to the youth football leagues. So youth football coach and faced Sean White and uh, sent us home from the playoffs one year. Right there at the semifinals, headed for the Super Bowl, and uh, Sean White and the Boca Raton Jets sent us home. I was coaching for West Pines Wildcats. So um, he's going to get the start there for Auburn and uh, being trusted to try and turn things around there. Now, obviously, anyone watching that game knows that it wasn't all uh, on offense. Problem wasn't all on offense, but uh, it would have helped to be able to answer some of the scores. Uh, as LSU was taking the uh, Auburn defense to task. I tried to tell people this, tried to warn people of this going into this season as uh, everyone tried to put Auburn in the national, uh, in the college football playoff. Uh, everyone's talking about the union of Gus Malzahn and Will Muschamp, which, don't get me wrong, two of your better coaches in college football coming together. But people think things are going to happen overnight. Will Muschamp was brought in for a reason. We're not right defensively for Auburn. I don't care who you are. If you don't have the personnel and you don't have the mindset and you don't have a culture of defense, which Auburn did not really have a culture of defense. It really was about offense for them. Will Muschamp doesn't come in with a magic wand and sprinkle it all over the defense and then suddenly they're, you know, playing lights out. That's not how this thing works. But that's fans for you. They think you sign a guy or you bring in this coach and it happens overnight. No. 
Sound like the guys in Texas. We brought in Charlie Strong. We're going 12-0 and next year, his first year. Chill out, man. I mean, how far removed is this generation from just knowing that? You know, greatness takes time. I think Will Muschamp is a proven commodity as a defensive coach. I think Charlie Strong is a proven commodity as a head coach. But I'll be damned the fans don't want to give them time to do what it is that they do. It's going to take some time for Will Muschamp to get the guys that he needs there, the type of players that he wants, the type of players he knows are made to play defense and made to play in his defense. It takes some time. And I don't understand why fans thought this was going to happen overnight. For Jeremy Johnson, I don't know what happened there. I know he's more talented than he's shown through these first three games. And anyone who saw him come in for the few games that he played last year uh, had to be tickled pink if you're an Auburn fan about his future. But through the uh, first three games of the season, did not look anything like he promised he would. And the reasons for that are unknown to me. I guess you'd have to be uh, part of the Auburn staff or be around that program to understand why that has happened. Nevertheless, I think after the film study and uh, taking a review of the accumulation of those three games, Gus Malzahn decided to make a change there. Quarterback, and listen, for for all that went down and for as talented as Jeremy Johnson was, the, the reports coming out of spring football and uh, in, the, in the summer is that the race between he and Sean White was quite close. So for those who are not followers of the Auburn program, and think that you're getting chopped liver because Sean White is now the the backup quarterback is now the guy that's going to start the game, you'd be sorely mistaken to think that. Sean White's a very – I deemed him, and some might call me biased because, again, I was on the coaching staff of the high school he played for. But I I do also need to add that watch this kid since he was eight years, nine years old. So a good nine years of watching Sean White – and I deemed him the most college football-ready quarterback out of that class of 2014 signing class. That's, you know, and I held strong to that. Just happened to go to a place like Auburn that already had a quarterback, didn't need a freshman to come in and start, and then also had a guy behind that who was the heir apparent. But... He sat, waited his time, and now it's his time now. And now he's uh, being given the football, and it's not against Southwest Louisiana. It's not against UTEP. It is, uh, it's in a big one against Mississippi State. Strong football team. So a uh, tremendous opportunity for Sean White. And, uh, you know, obviously folks down here are wishing him all the best and would like to see him go in there and get the job done. Uh, on the other side of the ball, though, uh, there will be some lineup changes for Auburn over there. Don't know how much that's going to do. You know, you. I'd like to think that Will Muschamp and staff put the best guys after, you know, some time to evaluate, put the best guys out there on the field to play defense. And the best guys out there to play defense were no match for what LSU and Leonard Fournette were doing on the field Saturday. I mean, Leonard Fournette looked like he was in the backyard playing with his kids. It looked like a backyard game of let's see if we could tackle Daddy. And Daddy didn't go down. I mean, and you've seen the clips. I've put some of them up. 
There have been plenty of them put up there as he runs through, almost comical, through the Auburn defenders trying to tackle him. And to me, that's more on Fournette than it is on the Auburn defense. Sure, Auburn could have done things better, and I'm sure they discussed that at length this week, but Leonard Fournette uh, just really reminds you of the throwback era of running backs in the SEC. And I'm talking Herschel Walker, I'm talking George Rogers, I'm talking Bo Jackson. And really, right now, that's where the SEC is with their running backs. Between Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle and Leonard Fournette, it really looks like the 1980s in the the SEC again. Big, strong, physical running backs that can, um, if you miss them, you might not catch them. Sub-11 second 100-meter dash guys that are 220, 30 pounds. Really not fair a lot of times. And so Fournette ran through Auburn's defense. He's going to do that to quite a few defenses this year if he can, you know, avoid being hurt because now teams are going to find creative ways to get this guy to the ground. We did see one where the uh, Auburn defender tried to jump on his back. That did not work. He had one come by and tag him. I don't know if he may have had a taser in his hand or something, but uh, tagging him on his hip did not work either, so. That's the story there. So the Auburn game gets ultra interesting for us this weekend as they take on Mississippi State. So those are the things that we're talking about here. Going to take a break when I get back. NFL is on tap again. Uh, Nick De La Torre joins me at the bottom of the hour to talk Gator football at the top of next hour. Bud Elliott from Tomahawk Nation comes on to talk Florida State Seminoles football. So interesting talk coming up there. But I'm going to take a break when I get back. The NFL is on deck here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Stay tuned. Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. 
FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoff. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Sounds the way it's supposed to to you folks out there. Gonna have to have a word with the folks of Blog Talk Radio who occasionally have some breakdowns, but you know I don't want to be negative. They are by and large have done right by the uh, Gridiron Stud Show. So just trying to fight my way through uh, whatever the heck is going on here. Nevertheless, uh, NFL is on deck for us here. Uh, there have been some surprises thus far through the first two games of the NFL season. Uh, I think we can classify the Washington Redskins as one of those uh, surprises. Uh, they did come out in week one. Everyone was calling them a train wreck and a disaster and that they were facing the Miami Dolphins, who were going to be mighty this year. They added Ndamukong Su, so that means the whole entire team was going to be better. The defensive line was going to be the fearsome foursome of the old days. They were going to just wreck shop and destroy everyone and Ryan Tannehill's an up-and-comer, and he's going to light it up, and the Dolphins are going to come to Washington and destroy the Redskins. That's not what happened. You saw it. The Dolphins were lucky to get out of that game alive. And the Redskins next week came back, proving that it was no fluke. They defeated a St. Louis team that beat the mighty Seahawks. So the Washington Redskins are uh, not uh, are one of the surprises thus far. through two games, if you can, you know. You know, it's a little knee-jerk through two games, but that's what you do as fans, right? You react and overreact to everything on a week-to-week basis. But you got to admit, uh, Washington Redskins look better than you thought they were going to look through two games here in the season. Tonight, they uh, travel to New York to take on the Giants, who have been 
uh, a surprise in the opposite direction. Now, we weren't expecting the Giants to be big time this year, but we weren't expecting them to be 0-2 at this point. We thought maybe the Giants would lose to the Cowboys, which they did, but they had every opportunity in the world to win that game. And you thought if they lost to the Cowboys, they'd come home to face the Falcons, who people aren't expecting much from, uh, and that they would beat the Atlanta Falcons. And once again, the New York Giants had a little bit of control in this game on their way to a victory, and somewhere along the road to victory, they hung a left and ended up losing once again to the Atlanta Falcons. So what's going to happen tonight? I think... If you're the New York Giants, you cannot, cannot, in any way, shape, or form, lose this ball game that you're playing tonight. So I think as early as you can ever have a situation like this in the season, you're going to see a team with their hair on fire tonight. I think you're going to see a New York Giants team going all out. You'd like to think and hope they can manage the game better because that's been the problem in the first two weeks of the season, just managing the football game and making the right decisions. Because uh, as Tony Romo said, and he had a very great quote at the end of the uh, Giants and Cowboys game, that every week it comes down to the final eight minutes in the NFL. There are no games against Akron in the NFL, as the Dolphins found out last week when they took on Jacksonville. It comes down to those final eight minutes, and it's there's some teams that want to be in that situation. There's some players that want to be in that situation, and there are others that don't. And there's some teams that can handle and manage that situation effectively, and there are others that do not. New York Giants have been that team in the final eight minutes through these first two weeks that has not been able to handle that situation correctly at all. So I'd have to imagine that a great part of their meetings this week and their prep for the Washington Redskins which was all of three days, had to involve managing game situations. That is the end of a half. That is the end of the game. That is, uh, you know, the different situations that you're faced with throughout a football game that could change momentum or change the outcome of the game. And uh, let's hope the Giants get that together. Can't can't forecast that, but I do this. Do know this. This is going to be a highly motivated New York Giants football team. It may be a less motivated Washington Redskins team after the big win over St. Louis. And if you're not used to winning, as the Redskins are not, these are the type of situations in which you falter. It's a short week of preparation off of a a big win, almost a bit of an unexpected win. And, uh, you know, you get yourself... uh, You get yourself... Out of the proper mindset. And yes, it's a divisional game. And in the NFL, that is cause for you to be focused. But for some reason, I just think the Washington Redskins' focus will not be as intense as it needs to be. I already told you the Giants will be. And so I I like the Giants in this game tonight. They're a small three-point favorite. I just think for the Giants, if you uh, start this season at 0-3, I think everything goes downhill. Like your season's almost over. You're definitely going to be fighting an uphill battle. That's for sure. So, um, I, I, I like the Giants tonight. But what else do we have going on in the NFL? A, a lot of things to which we can't get to all of them. The big news and story yesterday was the return of Cam Chancellor to the Seattle Seahawks secondary. And uh, you would have to say that this is an addition they needed. They need Chancellor back in the saddle there. 
Seahawks are 0-2, and how much of that would have been changed with Chancellor back there is open to debate. You can't say that. You know, you're as good or a better team without Camp Chancellor back there. So expect the Seahawks to get uh, a boost from that. Just interesting to me that Chancellor says, uh, you know, it's time to put business aside till the end of the year. Oh, really? When did you come to that conclusion? Was it when you missed your second game check in a row? And uh, payment came due on some things or, you know, the wife has uh, had a little bit of an attitude with you? Not having them game checks hurt, as we all found out as fans when the uh, when we had a strike a couple of years ago. Guys were going to miss checks. We were talking about a strike. Missing those game checks gets to be huge. And just to give some of you novices an idea out there, let's say a guy's making $7 million a year. Those game checks are cut up over the 17-week season. So for a guy... Making $7 million a year, he's missing uh, a check roughly about $411,000 each week. And now Chancellor's not making that kind of money, and that's the whole reason for the holdout. You best believe that whatever he is uh, making, and I'm looking that up now, it's certainly he's certainly uh, outplaying that at the moment. I don't know that there's anyone out there that would argue otherwise. He's been the best safety in the game. Okay, so uh, I'm experiencing some major technical difficulties here with the uh, with uh, Blog Talk Radio, but uh, nevertheless trying to find a way somehow. So I got to call into my own show as a guest to conduct the show. How about that? Got to love that. Nevertheless, uh, where was I? Uh, Cam Chancellor missed some game checks, and uh, so that uh, obviously became too big of a burden. Found some kind of a way to uh, come back and join his teammates and said he'll put the business of things off to the side uh, when the season is over. We'll see exactly when that is for the Seattle Seahawks, who find themselves in the odd position of uh, being in – this, the, with a record of 0-2 through the first two games of this season. So, uh, Chancellor is back. You know, his current deal is, uh, he's you know, last year after the 2012 season, uh, he did sign a four-year $28 million deal. So, uh, it, you know, as it turns out, he is making $7 million a year. What a coincidence because that's what I uh, – Use it as an, as an example there. So back-to-back checks loss of $411,000 is a, a big problem for anyone, including Cam Chancellor. All right, nothing better than on a day like this where things are helter-skelter and I'm having technical difficulties than to bring on a guest, which I will do. A guest caller here. Les, how you doing, man? I'm having some technical difficulties on my show today, but nevertheless, I can get you on. How you doing? What's happening, bro? What's happening, man? Yeah, I see that. I see that. It took a while for me to get on there. What's going on, Great Ash? Not a whole lot, man. Talking about Cam Chancellor and somehow, some way, after missing $410,000 or $11,000 in two back-to-back weeks, find a way back onto that football field. Funny how that works. It's... Well, you know, brother, brothers can't, can't stand taking losses, so, you know. He had to go yeah. back. He seen his team lose to Green Bay. He realized he could have helped out, and uh, 
Let's see if he comes back and make a difference. I'm quite sure he will, though. Well, you know, nevertheless, he's going to get the benefit of rejoining the team after they've lost back-to-back games and are at home uh, playing the Chicago Bears. I mean, it's going to really look like Chancellor saved the day, but even if he didn't come back, I'm pretty damn sure the Seahawks were going to put a foot in Chicago's rear end at home this week. Agree or disagree? I totally agree. Yeah, so... uh, I mean, Jay yeah. Cutler, Cutler playing, somebody need to put a foot somewhere. <laughs> hey, man, I tell everyone, get off my boy Jay. Jay Cutler is real. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't hide who he is, and people keep signing him. So that's on them people. I mean, Jay Cutler is Jay Cutler. Cutler gonna Cutler. So that's how I look at it. Yeah, I wanted to uh, talk to you about this. Auburn is uh, taking on Mississippi State, and, you know, Jeremy Johnson was uh, all the rave in the offseason as uh, going to be the heir apparent and maybe the next Cam Newton and uh, a lot of these great things. And not to take anything away from the kid, he's he's obviously a talent, just hasn't performed up to par, and uh, he's being replaced by Sean White, obviously a kid that I know a whole lot about. What's your feeling on that and Auburn football right now? Well, ever since uh, you were friends with Sean White on, on, uh, on, the, on Facebook, you know, he's become my friend as well. And uh, I've watched the young man for the last couple of years after high school and entering college. And, you know, I think it's his time. I mean, for a red shirt, you know, I think it's your time to get an opportunity to come in and hopefully spark your team. Um, you know, good luck. They're going up against a good team this weekend. But uh, Auburn knows that they need a spark right now in their offense. I mean, they have to do something. And, um I think Gus is uh he's made up his mind that it's time for a change. So I think it'll be a boost for their team. I think Sean will come in and do some great things. He has a nice arm. He's he's very accurate. And uh, like I said, I I hope uh you know good things for the young man. Yeah, um, you know obviously a lot of people down here rooting for him and want to see uh, great things going on for him, man. What to make about the team uh, that's in Ohio? The the, the uh, number one team in the country is that just a little hiccup last week? You got a little bored with success and uh, you created your own drama. Or do they have real problems up there in uh, Columbus, Ohio? Well, if you're talking about them Bucknuts, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm the Bucknuts. Glad they having problems. I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait, Mr. Michigan. I can't wait. Hey, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk negative. But hell with them buck nuts. Yeah, well, it's not spoken like a true college football fan and one who backs uh, the Michigan Wolverines. How are you feeling about them right now? Is it what you expected with Harbaugh in the saddle, or uh, were you expecting more or less? Well, if I need to expect them to do well against UNLV, I, I, have, I evidently don't have <laughs> high expectations. Um, yeah, no. Um, who they got this weekend? Um, I don't know. As a true Michigan fan, you should be all over that. You should know exactly who the Michigan Wolverines are playing this week. They do have BYU, oh, my oh, friend, oh, and they, that's they a guilt. That's a home plan, game. They playing BYU. They playing BYU. Uh, BYU. Yes. And so, yeah. uh, you know, well, well, we'll I'm sure you're going to be calling tomorrow. And, you know, I don't know if that's a We're going to around that one. Yeah, dance okay. That. The Mormons are coming to town. All right, man, I got to jump off here, and uh, when I get back, I'll be talking a little more college football, and I'm going to have some guests on to talk about the Gators, who are full of stories for this week. How about that? So, 
Um, yeah, they better they better they better get it fixed over there in Gatorland, man. Um, I mean, a lot of talent. I mean, they got a they got a sputtering offense. The defense, you know, I see all the rotations going on because of all the talent that they have. But you know, them guys got to solidify some spots, and just you know, some corners come in and they just don't look efficient. And uh, yeah, well, well, uh, I'll certainly have a I'll certainly get some answers on that as I'm gonna have a. Um, Nick Delatory from Gator Country join me. But as always, Les, thanks for calling into the show, man. Appreciate you. All right. All right. That's uh, our resident caller, one of them, Lester Johnson, um, a trainer out there in Arizona, training athletes. So he's uh, probably responsible for some of the great athletic feats that you see uh, taking place on the college football field uh, each week. I'm going to jump into a break when I get back. I'm wading through the technical difficulties that we're having here, but nevertheless, the show must go on. Talking a little college football, and Nick Delatore joins me on the Gridiron Stud Show when we get back right after this. <laughs> what is it? Maybach music. <laughs> high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges, step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting, we've got people visiting, we've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now, set your profile up, and let yourself be seen. In season, out of season. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then complete speed is what you need. Complete speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, complete speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Gridiron Stud Show Thursday edition. Just so you guys kind of, you know, get an idea of how these things work on uh, Blog Talk Radio, how that whole deal works, give you a little insight. Uh, you do have a studio online, something that you go to a website and uh, you kind of manage things from the studio. Well, for some reason, I can't call into the mail, the main number uh, to run my show today, so I'm calling in as a guest on my cell phone. By the way, calling in as a guest to my own show. So, you know, when you run into a little trouble 
and uh, the defense is blitzing you, you call an audible. So I'll call an audible here, and uh, we've got the we still got a show going on here. We're still moving the ball. We're still trying to score here on the Gridiron Stud Show, despite despite some of the evil things getting in the way. Nevertheless, uh, things getting in the way of a Gator win versus Tennessee this weekend, potentially, and uh, to have someone on to talk about those possible things getting in the way. None other than my weekly guest from Gator Country, Nick Delatore. Nick, what's going on, man? It's uh, hot and heavy up there in Gainesville. That was as professional a segue as I've ever heard in my life <laughs> right there. Yeah, that, that's uh, why they pay you the big bucks. Yeah, I'm I'm doing my thing now. I hope Will and friends pull this off uh, the way that I have here today with what I've got going on. Hopefully they can manage their way through it. All right, I joked with you last night via text as to what the heck are we going to talk about tomorrow. There's not much going on, but you and I both know that's not the truth. Uh, We have some suspensions, and as far as I know right now, it's Treyon Harris, backup quarterback, Jalen Tabor. Um, Are there any more... Or is that just it, all that we're dealing with this week? Let's just start with that there. Uh, I think that's it. You know, there were, Alex McAllister's name was floated around. Um, Jim McElwain said that, you know, there were only two, he calls them choices. These guys chose to suspend themselves, uh, theoretically. Uh, you know, it, it was their choice that led to this. So, uh, sounds like a suspension to me. So, those mm-hmm. two won't play. Alex McAllister is dealing with a shoulder injury that he hurt uh, against Kentucky. Uh, mm-hmm. I did notice that he, on Monday and throughout the week uh, at open practice, had a, a new brace on his mm-hmm. right shoulder. Um, mm-hmm. So I think as far as suspensions or choices go, uh, we've heard the two that will happen. Um, obviously, you know, there's two days left and we're dealing with college kids. So mm, 48 true. hours is a lot of time. Uh, a lot of time for someone else to have some choices that, that leads them to not play on Saturday. Yeah, listen, uh, there's always much debate as to how much college football coaches should be paid. Is that too much money to be paying a college football coach? Compare that to what a teacher makes and so on and so forth and blah, blah, blah. But it's situations like this and weeks like this where you realize um, – College football coaches deal with an awful lot. And Jim McElwain, who's in his first season at Florida, who's trying to, you know, get things going in the right direction in Gainesville, uh, has, you know, these things to deal with, which is commonplace. But it, and I'm not so much that. You know, you have stuff that happens. You know, teenagers will do things that they do. But it's the dealing with the media um, and all that that comes with it. It's a tough deal, is it not? Yeah, it's a tough deal. You know, uh, every coach will preach family, and and whether that's a recruiting tool or that is the actual case, uh, is probably a case by case basis. Um, but it's hard. You know, back in I think it was uh, in in the spring after Treon had his, the death in his family, um, Jim McElwain said, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to getting close to Treon and affecting his life positively. Obviously he doesn't come from a great area, um, Mm -hmm. comes from a great family, but not from a great area. So Mm -hmm. I think Jim McElwain has really tried to invest in Treon as far as a person more so than Treon, the quarterback. Um, So Mm -hmm. anytime there's a situation where you have to suspend a player, you have to discipline a player, uh, it's tough for a coach. And then, 
to have to go jump in front of 20 people and 10 cameras and, and talk about that uh, and know that it's going to start making the rounds, that's not easy. Um, mm-hmm. But like you said, college coaches get paid a lot of money to handle uh, situations just like that. Yeah, this is probably a tough question for you to answer, but uh, I'm going to ask it anyway. What effect <laughs> is uh, what effect do you think Trayon not playing in this game is going to have on the quarterback race? It's been you know all the talk since the spring. Well, for the quarterback race, I think you know we've talked about before how I feel about the open practices and what we're seeing um, mm-hmm. from what we've seen that little fastball period um, where the team is live 11 on 11, they've kind of split the reps. Will Greer is taking mm-hmm. all of those reps that we've seen this week. Um, mm-hmm. I was told that the team was informed about these suspensions on Monday. Um, mm-hmm. So I would assume that Greer, knowing that Trion wasn't going to play, and the coaching staff knowing that Trion wasn't going to play, that Greer has been taking all of those first team reps uh, mm-hmm. this week. So that can certainly help. Um, also, mm-hmm. I said last week that I thought, you know, Greer had an opportunity against ECU to shut the door, getting the chance to start uh, the mm-hmm. second half there, which changed up the quarterback rotation from the first game. Greer mm-hmm. obviously gets to play the entire Kentucky game. Uh, mm-hmm. Another opportunity hasn't been able to shut the door. So really for me, this is Rule Greer's third opportunity to end the race. Mm-hmm. Um, so a good Tennessee team coming in, if Will Greer has a great game here, I think it could shut down the race completely. I don't know if Jim McWayne will ever say that, but I think this is Will Greer's opportunity um, mm-hmm. to do that. And as far as Tennessee's perspective, it kind of takes away having to prepare for two different guys. I think some of their skill set is very similar. Um, everyone, Nobody really thought that Will Greer could run. Uh, well, you've done, you've done more a than, ton of that to this point. I think, yeah, I think you ran for more than a thousand yards in high school. Uh, it, it's not what right. he does first. It's definitely what he did first last week. Um, mm-hmm. Jim McElwain even said some of the the pain and abuse and punishment he took against Kentucky was self inflicted because he was kind of taken out of the pocket if that first read wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So Jim McElwain, what he did on Wednesday was say, "Hey, we've got Josh Grady, who was a quarterback and wide receiver at Vanderbilt, a graduate transfer." We've got him running some gator tail packages, and to me, that's a total bluff. Josh Grady hasn't been in a non-contact jersey uh, since fall camp started. Hasn't mm. really taken any quarterback reps that we've seen until this week. Uh, so I think calling, hey, you know, there's a gator tail package with Josh Grady, kind of like a wildcat package uh, mm-hmm. that we can still use. I think that's McElwain's way of still trying to have Tennessee have to prepare for two different guys. Yeah, just trying to win a little of, of that limited practice time. But let's let's be real here. Will Greer drops back, a defensive end runs through his back, and God forbid he can't go on. What do the Gators do? Uh, then, then the Gator tail becomes the offense. Josh Grady right now is your backup. Um, Florida does have a good quarterback in Luke Del Rio who transferred in. He's not eligible. Uh, he filed paperwork to the NCAA uh, to get in, uh, to be able to play this year. Unfortunately, he did that after transferring two years ago. So the NCAA mm-hmm. doesn't like to hand that waiver out twice. He's not going to mm-hmm. be eligible. So mm-hmm. after Will Greer, without Treyon available, you've got um, Josh Grady, and then you've got Jacob Guy. Those are your backups. Yeah, this is uh... – 
shades of a uh, uh, Tyler Murphy and um, you know the whole circus that we had on. I forget. I forget. The, was it Morning Wake that came on and played a game? Uh, uh, you know, a couple of years ago after there was. Yeah. Yeah, Skyler yeah, Morningwake, so. it was uh, in 2013 during the 4-8 and eight season. Skyler Morningwake started the final three games. Uh, they almost yeah. pulled one out in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, I think Morningwake had three pass attempts before the last drive when Florida was was trying to come away with a win there. So, uh, yeah, that was the, the year Jeff Driscoll broke his leg, and, and then Tyler Murphy got hurt against Missouri. Okay, so um, – my coaching hat goes on here, and this mm-hmm. tells me that Tennessee is going to blitz in this game more than they have in any game up to this point, probably more than in any game they will this year for two reasons. One, you want to get to that backup quarterback. Two, because this might be the youngest offensive line in, in the SEC and in the country. So there's – Tennessee now dial up every single blitz they have in their large playbook this week. Yeah, I mean, at at one point last week against Kentucky, Florida had three true freshmen and a redshirt sophomore on the offensive line at the same time. Uh, So youngest in the country, that definitely would take it with that that combination. Uh, Mm. Tennessee fans and and some of the reporters that I've talked to that cover the team their biggest gripe with this coaching staff is not making those kind of adjustments. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think obviously when you look at Florida's line and when, and when you see how as the competition has taken a step up each of the first mm-hmm. three weeks, mm-hmm. you found a new deficiency with the line and something else to correct. And the line, mm-hmm. the line's production has really taken a hit as the competition level has rise, uh, risen. So to mm-hmm. me, yes. Go ahead and blitz. If you're going to if you're going to lose to Florida, you're going to make Will Greer beat you with his arm, and there's going to be uh, a lot of times where Rod Johnson or not Rod Johnson, Fred Johnson and Antonio Riles mm-hmm. are turning around and picking him up off the ground. Yeah, but now flipping this around the other way, if you're looking at the Kentucky game, and I noticed what you did bring up was that uh, Will Greer would go to that first read if it wasn't there, he took off running. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're now blitzing him, um, you're given an opportunity for big plays. And if he does look at that first read and it is open, it could go for for a big play. So, um, I don't know, I guess Tennessee, how much they blitz, I think, is going to be a testament to how they feel about their back end and their defensive backs. They come into this game with the factors that I just pointed out to you and you just discussed with the O-line and the fact that there's not the uh, backup quarterback for this game. And they don't blitz. Uh, that would be an indication to me that they're not all that confident about what they have in the, in their secondary and their ability to hold up. Um, well, the secondary would probably be their weakest spot uh, other than Cam Sutton. Um, mm-hmm. But Tennessee might feel that they don't need to bring a ton of pressure, um, mm-hmm. a ton of bodies to get pressure on Will Greer. They might think that they can they can get it with four, uh, you know, their front four, maybe only bring one guy and, and bring five. So, Right. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I do think you need to pressure Will Greer, see how the young uh, the young redshirt freshman handles that pressure, uh, um, and and really make him beat you. Yeah, and and that's that's going to be the game inside of the game for for people to watch. Uh, as you know, in this in this big rivalry, if we could call it that, is um, some uh, Gator defensive back that I won't name 
did mention the streak this week, and he was looking forward to it continuing. I guess I don't know who he got all that brashness from, huh? To to be fair, he was he was nine years old. Is that is that like third grade? Nine years old the last time Tennessee won. Uh, yeah. a, a Tennessee writer that I'm friendly with wrote a story. Do you remember the last time Tennessee beat Florida? And I said, Yeah, I was 14. I had a lot less gray hair, uh, and I was probably a little faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that the whole lot of uh, interesting plots on that, and one of the other ones is also you know, what's going to go on in the secondary. But you know. It, I think last week um, was last week. I guess you know was the only time this year that the the Gators have had all of their 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 members of their secondary participate in the game. So um, this is kind of a situation that they've had a little experience with in 2015. Mm-hmm. It's just you know managing uh, um, your secondary and your rotations without a key member missing, which would be Jalen Tabor. So it's something they have a little bit of experience with. I think they're in less trouble there than they are maybe at the quarterback spot. Right, and it's something that, that you and I talked about. Uh, as far as handling that, you know, you, you missed Marcus May, Keanu Neal uh, in the first game. You missed Vernon Hargreaves, Keanu Neal in the second game. You finally get uh, your entire defensive back. These guys talked a lot about being DBU in the off season. So you get mm-hmm. one game, really, all of those pieces there, and then mm-hmm. this game. So I, I don't feel that they'll miss Jalen in that sense. They've played without people. Mm-hmm. My issue is now if Tennessee runs 90 plays, Quincy, Vernon, Marcus, and Keanu have to play 90 plays. There's not really reinforcements coming behind right. you. So a targeting penalty, you know, you, you think back two years ago, to Missouri, mm-hmm. where Cody Riggs is ejected on, I believe, the first or second play of the game. That changed yeah, the terrible. landscape of the game. If if Vernon Hargreaves or Quincy Wilson go out with a targeting penalty at any point, now you're bringing in DeAndre Porter and, and, and Chris Williamson, a true freshman. Neither guy has really been tested. If Marcus May is hit with a targeting penalty, with Alex Anzalone out, Marcus May was playing inside linebacker in the dime package last week against mm. Kentucky. Marcus May mm. is playing all over the defense right now. To lose him right. uh, could be devastating. So it, it's thin. Obviously, Florida is still very talented there, but mm. it's very thin, and, and you have to make sure you're on your P's and Q's when you're tackling. Keep that head up uh, this week. Yeah, uh, obviously this is a tremendous amount of adversity for for Florida to to go into this game with, um, and you know if they can get through it, obviously prepares them for what's going to be a murderous row the schedule. As as a Florida State fan pointed out, um, you know so nicely today um, that you know after Missouri and then you got LSU on the road and then you got Georgia. Yep. It's a it's a tough road ahead and so it starts and, off. And Missouri's season. a Missouri's a down team this year, but that's a that's a tough trip to make out to Columbia, Missouri. You got to fly into St. Louis and then bus however many hours over there. It's going to be cold, uh, so that's a tough trip. Even though that team uh, hasn't looked like what we expected them to. Yeah, tell me about it. So uh, a whole lot going on in this game. Some nervous moments for Gator fans. Um, maybe it's a good thing that I'm going to be coaching a football game on uh, Saturday. So, so you know, I'm well, well, as much as I'm going to happen in a long losing streak like this. If you go back last year, Austin Harden, who's missed th- his last three field goals inside of 40 yards, hits a 49 yarder to go up 10 to nine. 
two years ago is when Jeff Driscoll gets hurt in the first quarter and Tyler Murphy takes over and they win. Uh, Darius Cummings picked up a fumble uh, three years ago. So weird things happen to get to a 10-game winning streak, and it feels like this could just be another thing that you bump in. Like, oh, yeah, then the 11th straight win, Florida had to play without these guys going into it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, definitely going to be interesting, man, and uh, certainly thank you for coming on and shedding some light on the situation as uh, the Gators head into this game against Tennessee. Appreciate it, Nick. Thanks, Chad. All right, Nick Delatore from GatorCountry.com. Uh, with so much going on, GatorCountry.com is certainly a place you'd want to go and get all of the latest news uh, on the happenings up there in Gainesville, and again, as the Gators get set to take on Tennessee at 3.30 on Saturday. Going to take a quick phone call before I bring on Bud Elliott. Call you on a good hey, what's session. up? Hey, How what's up, everyone? No, no, I'm sorry about the shout out. No, I'm good, man. How about you? Good. What do you got for me? Uh, well, you know Will Grier? Yes. Because I got some news about him. Uh, apparently, like, he did some, and, like, his brother, like, you know, man, like, I'm not really good into family sort of stuff, but, um, you know, like, apparently there's some bond of him, like, being the crap of his brother, and, you know, people are, like, saying, you know, like, excuse me, all that, man, like, you know, you know, his brother got in the fight, and, you know, like, one, he might be off the team, two, his mama might be moving him back to his uncle and Betsy on Valdez, man. <laughs> I begged him, beat him with her day after day, but she packed my suitcase and sent me on my way. She gave me a kiss, and she gave me a ticket up on my walk, man, all of a sudden, might as well get first class. Yo, this is bad. Drink of orange juice out of the champagne glass. You got to love it, man. Florida is mm. taking on Tennessee, and this is what right. I get into the show. Thank you very much. Hey, you got to love that. And, and then uh, why don't I take another one? Is this another Tennessee fan? I'm anxiously awaiting. You got to be story all about how my life got flipped turned upside down. I'd like to make it take a minute just sit right there. I'll tell all about you how I became the it was the Rodovia Barnett race. But the flake was best and most of my days chilling out, relaxing, all cool. If only you could do subtitles on your radio show. Tennessee volunteer fans, you got to love them. And with that, I'm going to bring on Bud Elliott. Bud, did you hear any of that? Uh, I, I heard it. I don't know if I understood it. Uh, I, I also heard, did, did Nick say 10-game win streak for the Gators, or did, did I mishear that? Uh, yeah, 10-game win streak for the Gators against Tennessee, I believe. Oh, okay, I, gotcha. I, 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 I said, thought he meant yeah, they were yeah. about to go on one. I was like, oh, wow, oh, that no. is. No, 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 no. Don't want to get you all okay. fired up here, man. But no, I was, I was like, man, I got to call Nick and, uh, and get in on some of that action. <laughs> no, no, man. 10-game win streak against the – the volunteers of Tennessee who want to want to call my phone line and give me their incoherent nonsense. Nevertheless, <laughs> I mean that's classic. You know that's definitely going on SoundCloud as a, an all-time great. But nevertheless, I, um, it's Florida State. I would time. pull that out and and put that separately on SoundCloud, like oh, a, no, no, as a little breakout that's, segment. That's a classic, and it's also it's also going to be a soundbite for the. Uh, Gridiron Stud Show going forward. There's no doubt about that. So if that person has accomplished anything uh, today, they did indeed do that. All right. Um, you had a game last week. It was not 
what Florida, you know, Florida State fans may have wanted, but it's kind of what you and I talked about last week as we were uh, heading into this game, that it, it could certainly be something like that. Games just end up being that way when you, when you take on Boston College at their place um, and not on a Saturday. Just They seem to go down that way. So I think we were right on that one, were we not? Yeah, and uh, people were saying how negative we were being. But, look, if, if you're an offense that's very reliant on explosive plays and you're very young and a, a defense takes away those explosive plays, they're basically daring you to, to drive down the field in, in sort of controlled chunks. And, and they're saying, hey, we don't think with your very young offense that you can consistently do that and, and you can put together enough plays in a row where somebody doesn't make a mistake. And, you know, when, when, you, when you have that much of an experience, a lot of mistakes are being made. And, and indeed, Boston College w- w- was right. Florida State would get a couple first downs and then they'd have to punt. You know, they, they actually – Fisher had a great script uh, for, for the opening drive. They drove down, I think it was like eight plays, 80 yards or something, and, and just boom, 7 nothing to start the game. And then Boston College pretty quickly adjusted to that. And, and uh, they, they said they had some shots open deep and, and Golson didn't pull the trigger. And overall, it was – it was a pretty poor offensive effort. It, I thought it was going to be bad, and it was even a little bit worse than, than I, I thought it was going to be. Yeah, and on that note, uh, I did go read your article about uh, Everett Golson. You know, I, I said something to you about it on Twitter this week, just kind of pulling your chain there a little bit. So I did decide to go over and read it. And uh, yeah, some pretty harsh criticism of Golson, which you do indicate in the article and during the podcast that these were some of the observations made by his very own head coach. Um, what's the general consensus from Florida State fans and people around the program about Everett goals going forward for the Seminoles? Well, I, I think there are some positives in that you know he, he didn't turn the ball over, right? And, and right. So, so far on the year, he hasn't turned it over. And that was his real, his real kind of bugaboo at Notre Dame was he, he would just have these meltdown four and five turnover ball games. And so far, he hasn't had that. Part of me wonders: is he so concerned about not turning the ball over? that he's not pulling the trigger on, on some of the more obvious throws that, that are, are, are pretty wide open. Uh, that, that can mm-hmm. definitely be a factor. The, the more concerning thing to me, I think, is that he's not really executing his own read right. And I'd put that on Jimbo Fisher, to be honest. It's not that hard to coach, I don't think. Now, there, there's some different ways that defenses defend that, you know, kind of running right at the mesh point and then your scrape exchange mm-hmm. and stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, they, they have to do a better job at that. If you're an optimist, you're saying this. Florida State has not really used Everett Golson's legs yet, and it's 3-0. Right. If you're a pessimist, you say, Ooh, I don't know, man, Golson doesn't, really doesn't look like he wants to run, and this is a concern. And, and I will say, if, if Golson is not running, he's not the best option. You know, if, if Sean McGuire, I think, is a better just pocket passer than him. So if they're going to win with Everett Golson, they're going to have to at least incorporate his legs a little more. You have to make the defense respect his legs because Boston College totally ignored it. And mm-hmm. there was no there was no cutback lane for Dalvin Cook on anything he ran out out of the gun. So they have to make sure they use that. And if you're Jimbo, you probably tell Golson, "Hey, if you don't want to run his own read, I'm just going to call some quarterback sweeps for you." And I guarantee you, you'll get hit more on those than you will, you know, on the zone read type stuff. So I, I I'm a little confused as exactly where this thing's going, uh, but I mm-hmm. do think that they're going to have to use his legs more going forward. And in your opinion, uh, as a guy who watches a lot of film and is on top of things from that standpoint, uh, what would be the best ways? You know, put him in the shotgun, have design run plays for him, uh, go, you know, go really hard on a, on a, on a zone read offense, or, or are we talking bootlegs and that kind of stuff from, from under center? What would you think would be the best way to use his I, I think you prob- I, I think you do need to incorporate more zone read. 
they, they ran a little beer stuff against uh, against USF, which, which was interesting. You could throw throw a little beer series in there if you wanted to. Um, mm. The other thing you mentioned there from from the gun or from under center, they had a really nice blocking tight end through the first two games this year, and, and he hurt his knee and uh, and played against Boston College, and that, that's Richard Freshman Ryan Izzo. He was doing a great job for them early mm. on this year. And I think mm. he was the worst player on offense Friday night. I don't think he's healthy. Um, so mm. he, he was he was terrible in the blocking game, and that was a real big difference from what we saw against Texas State and USF. And it wasn't just getting overwhelmed physically. He just he was out of it. He looked like like he just he wasn't right. A little slow mm. out out there with with the knee thing. If you don't have him, you may need to go a little more spread type stuff and use some more of these wide receivers. Because right now, having him in there as a tight end is, is not doing much for you. So I do want to see how healthy he can get. Uh, entering the Miami week, which is 21 days away or 20 something days away now. Yeah, well, the you know, and the reason that I bring up you know the under center and the bootleg stuff, you know, not to you know, that's that's just not even in anymore. It's like mentioning that stuff is like saying you want to line up in the wishbone, but it's because Dalvin Cook's running the football so well, and I'm you know as someone who coaches defense, you're going to have to. Con- more people to him and getting more people to Dalvin Cook to get him down. Um, it's start leaving the back end open on stuff like this where out there in the open and he doesn't see what he needs. Passing-wise, he could just go ahead and take off and run and probably hurt the defense in that matter. Yeah, absolutely. I'll also note that I think kind of on, on, the, on the optimistic side, if you think Fisher's holding some stuff back as far as not running him a whole lot, I think you'd point to this. They've, won, they've run only one rollout pass this entire year. So that, mm-hmm. that, that could still be coming a little more move, move in the pocket. I, I know it's a half-field read, but it's not like Golson is, is sitting back there and scanning five targets, really. Uh, so I don't think you lose a, a whole lot when you do that necessarily. At least throw it in a couple times as a change-up. He's, he's fairly good on the move from what I recall at Notre Dame. Uh, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll see where this goes. On the other side, I'm, I'm real happy what I'm seeing with the defense. Right. Um, I don't know that you've been tested all that. I think the biggest test, and you 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 know that, are are coming up down the road when you do face a, a Miami and a, um, you know I don't know about Louisville. Louisville right now has their issues, but uh, a Georgia Tech that tests you in a very different way, and then you know Clemson coming up down the road. Um, you haven't faced three opponents that are going to really test you on that point. But to that, you know, on the positive side of that. You haven't looked bad against it. You know, sometimes you play these lesser opponents uh, and, and, and they get things on you that make you worry. I haven't seen that from Florida State through these first three opponents. Yeah, exactly. For good defenses make bad offenses look bad. And, and mm-hmm. that's what they had to do out there, and, and they went out and did that. Now, they haven't really faced what I would say is a good passing team yet. You know, they face some teams that can mm-hmm. run the ball a little bit. USF runs the ball fairly well with Flowers, but Kid's not really much of a passer at this point. Boston College mm-hmm. kind of the same, Texas State kind of the same, another spread option type team. Uh, but you're right that they have a, a. I think Kaya's playing really well for Miami. I don't, I don't think their offensive line's all that good, but he's back there. He's he's mm-hmm. throwing darts and mm-hmm. uh, they got some tough. They got some tough tough stuff coming up. I think I'm encouraged the most by the the improvement this year compared to last year, just in terms of how assignment sound they are, and they're not blowing coverage as wide open down the field. It's not like they're mm-hmm. not getting lucky with. With the bad QB overthrowing a, a a receiver streaking you know streaking wide open over the middle, They're, for the most part they have stuff covered up. They don't really have a, nearly as many busts this year. Yeah, uh, well, a little since you guys aren't playing a game this week, uh, we'll go a little bit of off the Florida State topic. 
Give me your front runner right now, and it's early, obviously, three weeks into the season, heading into the fourth week. Give me your front runner for the Heisman Trophy. I think it's got to be Leonard Fournette, just because of, of the, the quality of the highlight that he had. I know I know it's Auburn, and I know their defense is kind of a mess right now, but uh, you know they, they're two and zero in the SEC already, and that's that's kind of an accomplishment if you play in the West. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no really there's no great quarterback out there to, to point to this year. I mean, maybe if Cardell Jones catches fire, but but he's kind of through a third of the season, he's not really in the conversation anymore. I, I don't think there's any SEC quarterback. Uh, the best quarterback on the West Coast, I think, is the the kid from Cal, but Cal doesn't have a defense, so. You're going right. to lose four or five games out there. Maybe Boykin, but, man, TCU's defenders are dropping like flies. And if, if he's not playing quite as well this year, I think it's this is a year running back really could take it. Yeah, um, and, and, you know, I've mentioned this several times, that in the SEC it really looks like a throwback to the 80s with, you know, Henry and Chubb and Fournette. It just really looks like the, the, the George Rogers, Bo Jackson, Herschel Walker days where you always – you know, cut an SEC game on, and you've got some monster back there running the football, which he certainly looked like last week. Oh, my God. That, the, the one thing I, I will say, you know he kind of reminds me of? Remember, remember McGahee before he, before he blew out his knee? It's like him plus 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's yeah. that, a guy that big. Like, there's a lot of guys that big who are as fast as him, top-end speed, but they, mm-hmm. the big guys usually don't show that acceleration. His, his first right. two steps are nuts for a guy who's 232. That, yeah, that's, man, what, that's the, what's kind of scary. To be a defender um, and see that coming downhill at you, all of the thoughts you had going into the game will change <laughs> in that moment. Like, yeah, I'm going to bust this guy up. And, man, when you see that coming at you, shoulders squared up, and he sees you and you see him and you know I'm not getting a cheap shot here, um, your mind plays tricks on you. And it's almost like jumping out of a plane. You know, when you get to that door, it's like, am I turning back? I'm not jumping today, or am I going to just take this jump and whatever the hell happens? That's the only thing I could really compare it to um, is, is that. Am I going to jump out this plane today and let things happen? <laughs> or, or am I going to turn around to the instructor and be like, maybe we'll do this again next Thursday? And that's just the decision that you made. And, you know, I'm sure you saw the clip of the Auburn defender who decided he was going to turn back to the instructor and came by and, two, you know, gave him a tap on the hip. Today, I, oh, the know, business decision? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, man. Hey, I know you're in the game. I just want to let you know I was here, man, and I want to be able to tell my grandkids I touched Leonard Fournette on the way to <laughs> I am oh, telling you gosh. I would have given anything to have Skyped into the defensive meeting and just see what Will Muschamp and T-Rob had to say to that player. Um, oh, my God. Uh, now, was that, that the same kid who, who made the comment? You, you saw the comment, right? I believe it I believe it was him. So I'm telling you that had to be the worst film session of his life uh, and uh, in Auburn history. It's just, you know, that, that thing probably got ran back 50 times. Oh, my God. Yeah. It, 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 what, what you got to do there is you got to have one of your video assistants slice the comment and then slice the play, like, like back and forth <laughs> over, over and over again. Yeah, man, if you're that kid, uh, you tap Fournette and you just keep going out of the stadium. And you do consider, you do while in the parking lot, consider those three schools that you might want to transfer to because it's going to be a rough week. Well, hey, man, nevertheless, um, always a great um, analysis from you. So um, I appreciate you coming on and talking Florida State football with me. All right. All right, Chad. Take care. Right. Have a great weekend. All right. Thank you. Bud Elliott from Tomahawk Nation. And uh, if you want in depth stuff, on Florida State, um, film review, uh, recruiting, um, and analysis. You know, there's no other place to go for Florida State 
then TomahawkNation.com, and I uh, always appreciate Bud Elliott coming on for me. All right, it's been a while since I've taken a break and uh, still working my way through the technical difficulties here. But nevertheless, as I said, the show must still go on. Um, Going to take a quick break, some closing remarks when I get back here on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoff. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! segment of the Thursday edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. Uh, some things that have been touched on over the uh, over the show. And that's uh, Leonard Fournette. Probably, probably your uh, front runner uh, right now for the Heisman Trophy. But, you know, plenty of football left. Um, how about what's going on at, uh, at Ohio State? I think this is as close as we'll get in, at this point in the season to uh, a commitment to uh, one of the revolving quarterbacks uh, at Ohio State, Urban Myers come out and said that Cardell Jones is going to remain the starting quarterback for the uh, Ohio State Buckeyes. The quote is, Cardell is going to start. The other guy has to pass him, and that hasn't happened. And so that's directly from the mouth of Urban Myers, who's a little bit uh, bothered, if we could use that word, about the sloppy play over the last couple of weeks for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Maybe they're getting bored, or maybe uh, they do have some deeper issues. Nevertheless, JT Barrett has come on uh, in the uh, in, in every game thus far and really hasn't performed in the manner in which, you know, one would expect. It's just an interesting dynamic of what goes on mentally for, for quarterbacks and just why do they perform so much better when they come off the bench as uh, and they're not the expected starter. You know, you know there's a guy that is the starter, but uh, here's a situation where I'm coming off the bench. Is it that they could just be a little bit more uh, carefree when they come on in that situation? 
and it does allow them to play better. And then suddenly when it is your job and yours to lose or you're in a battle for it to become known as the starter, the guy, uh, do you get a little bit more conservative? And is that something that both of these guys are struggling with? Because both Cardell Jones and JT Barrett have not looked like the 2014 version. And is it even fair to compare them against themselves from last year? Maybe that's uh, part of the issue as well. But it looks to me like uh, Urban Meyer wants to kind of settle that whole situation down and, and run with one guy. And he's hoping and praying to God that Cardell Jones starts looking the part and so that he doesn't have to continue with the back and forth there at the uh, quarterback spot. Obviously, it's something that needs to get solving and uh, fixed quickly if Ohio State is going to uh, duplicate what they did last year. There isn't much on that schedule, though, that's going to stand in their way, except, you know, if you're Ohio State, you don't want to trip up at all against any of the uh, teams you're facing on your schedule because it's not the strongest schedule in the world, and tripping up against any of those guys is certainly going to be a big problem for you when it comes time to being a part of the Final Four at the end of the year. I don't think people are going to want to hear anything about you wanting to be a part of that because you only have one loss when, you know, the schedule has not worked out to be one of the toughest. And the final thing I want to touch on before leaving the show today is that uh, UCLA has lost uh, the jack of all trades, if I could use that term, Miles Jack, a uh, two-way player for them and a superstar on the defensive side of the ball is gone for the season knee injury. There have been a tremendous amount of knee injuries this season in uh, not only college football, also high school football. And I, you know, I already detailed what's happened in the NFL, I believe 28, 29 ACL tears, season ending injuries this off season. Um, Time to start examining what's happening there. In my opinion, I think the uh, year round training that's going on, body not really getting a rest, repetitive working on the same joints over and over. I mean, your muscles are going to get stronger, but there really isn't anything you could do about strengthening the ligaments. And uh, the stronger those muscles get in the repetitive use, uh, I think the things around the ligaments uh, are getting weakened and become weakened, and, and we're getting seeing more ACL tears, more non-contact injuries, and it's certainly something going forward that I think that's going to have to be examined at all levels, high school, college, and NFL, as this thing has reached epidemic proportions. That's a third starter loss on defense for uh, UCLA to the knee injuries and another, I believe, uh, with a, with a, a separate injury. The injury is which doesn't come to mind a foot or something like that, but I know two of them are knee. And so, uh, you know, something certainly that we're going to have to to uh, start paying attention to going forward with the young athletes. Are we doing too much? Are things too are we too specific, too specialized? The young guys do they need to, you know, break away from their sport and not do it? 11, 12 months out of the year. That's going to be a tough sell, but if the injuries continue, uh, it's certainly something that uh, people are going to have to start paying attention to. Nevertheless, uh, listen, the bullets were shot at me today. I had some technical difficulties here on the uh, Red Iron Stud show, but like a champ, stood in the face of adversity and uh, figured out a way to make it happen. And so we have completed this show here. I'm back on tomorrow with my co-host, Emil Calamino. We're going to break down the uh, college and NFL weekend. Also going to have some high school football talk, uh, plenty of it, as we talk about the games coming up this weekend. So high school, college, and NFL talk tomorrow. So you don't want to miss out on that. It's at the same time, same bad channel, 10 a.m. Gridiron Stud Shows. We have our football weekend show tomorrow at 10 a.m. So 
For all of you that uh, joined me on the show today, thank you for listening. Thank you for making this speech at Sean Blog Talk Radio.com. And until tomorrow, enjoy the rest of your day. See you then. What to all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen.